keep people inspired. Even if you have a very strong product, you need to be sustainable over time. And uh, I think that, again, boils down to the people you have in your organization. I'm really nerdy about to get delegated authority to make decisions out in your organization. Welcome to the podcast B2B SaaS CEOs with me, Joseph Olsen, as your host. I'm the CEO and founder of VAM that helps sales teams close more deals and book more meetings through video messaging. The idea to this podcast was born because one of my personal goals is to be a world-class B2B SaaS CEO and therefore I need to learn from the best. And I want to take you with me on this journey. Hi, my name is Maria Börjesson, CEO at Vispa Software, and you're listening to B2B SaaS CEOs. Hi, and welcome, Maria. Thank you. How are you? I'm fine. I really look forward to this podcast, so I'm in a very good mood. Amazing to hear. Let's jump into it straight away then. First thing first, can you please do the elevator pitch? What does your company, Visma Software, do? We offer strong business critical solutions uh, to automate our customers' key business processes, and it's within ERP, uh, HRM, e-commerce, And we also offer niche software included in ecosystems around these areas. So really, we really want to offer one UX uh, connected experience for, for our customers. And uh, everything we do is to transform and automate our customers' business and uh, make them more profitable and also make them do more business. And we... Uh, move we, we our customers are mainly in the medium large enterprise segments and um, we work through partners and also direct channels so we don't only uh, aim to develop our customers business we also want to enable our partners to grow their businesses so that's the area we work in thank you and if we then shift the focus away from the company for a while and towards you who is maria Uh, I'm a 50-year-old or maybe young <laughs> executive, and uh, I have a very strong drive when it comes to developing organizations, uh, products and services, and eventually also customers. And um, my strong motto is that it's all about people, passion, and software. And the reason why I have that motto is I've been on the customer side for more than 15 years. Uh, buying software solutions and uh, IT services, consultancy, etc. And I really learned the hard way, actually, to that the, the, the key focus is to have a strong software really fitting your business. Not uh, one size fits all, but really fit your business to, to succeed. So, And also people which are passionate about those tools and passionate about the business you run. Nice. And um, you know what's coming now. It's time <laughs> for five quick ones. The drill here is that I will say a word and you need to say the very first things you think of. We're talking one sentence because this should be quick. So we move on. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Always ready. Sauce. The best way to deliver value. The Nordics. Collaboration and uh, close but difference. Sales. 
Self-esteem and uh, winning attitude. Team. Psychological safety. And the last one, summer. Reflections. Good ending here also on summer because this leads me and us in, in a natural way into the first of the two bigger segments because we're going to talk about leadership. And the first thing here in leadership, are you a good leader? Yeah, it's it's uh, funny that you say that. I've listened to the podcast and many people saying in this uh, podcast that it's not up to me to decide and etc. and, and uh, difficult to answer. But I, I do believe that that's a key responsibility for a leader to be able to answer whether you're good or bad and where you are good and bad. And uh, I've received um, a lot of feedback over the years. And I think it's uh, important to create that uh, open culture so you actually get the feedback when you are bad. And uh, the good feedback is um, is there, and it's usually about uh, seeing the strategic picture quite fast and get, yeah, the ability to uh, to um, gather the forces and and uh, get people connected around company targets. Then, if we drill down regarding good leadership and superpowers, what would you say are your top two to three superpowers? One uh, superpower is definitely tons of drive, uh, which is a feedback I have got over the years. Uh, I'm very, I have a very much energy, high energy around people that, or things that I'm passionate about. And um, the second one is uh, strategy, as I mentioned. I, I, when you do tests like Strength Finder and those sort of things, I, you always get strategic on, on top. In, in the top of the list. So that's the strength I have. And uh, the third one, maybe others wouldn't consider as a superpower, but I, it has served me well. And that's um, uh, being a bit of a rebel, questioning the status quo and continuous work with, yeah, have this mindset of continuously work with uh, how can we do things different? How can we do things better, et cetera, et cetera. And can we... You said now three strong and great bullets. Can we put this into a context, into a picture? If we start with an example of tons of drive, can you can you put it in like? Yeah, I I was part of starting up BMW Group Financial Services Scandinavia uh, when I was quite young, and then I've done several projects or or activities like that. So when I believe in something, I have a passion around something, I can work really, really hard. And usually also when, when people around me say that this is, uh, this is impossible or you won't make it, then, then it gets this extra <laughs> energy around things. And are we then moving into the rebel here when you get yeah, that? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think so. So it's, it's a kind of a constant living with a feeling of, of uh, we can do it and uh, questioning the status quo that, that it is possible. Uh, and so I, I need to build a team around me which, with more maybe more realistic people. <laughs> and re- regarding the, now I can say that too later on regarding st- strategy. If we then shifting the focus from uh, superpowers, from uh, positive angles and looking at bad things as a leader worst things as a leader what would you say maria is the worst things or are the worst things about being a leader and how do you handle it and manage it first of all i i really love being a leader and i love the responsibility coming with that i'm a team oriented person so i I love it Uh, so there's not many bad things about being a leader but one thing is that uh 
With a senior management position, it usually comes an authority to administrative authority to sign off things and sign off costs, etc. And uh, I would say it's not a bad thing. Uh, it's rather maybe my weakness. And uh, I've, I have obviously strategy to, to manage that and set up routines so it gets done uh, when it should be done, etc. But it also, it also goes against a bit my belief in having delegated authorities and delegated decisioning in an organization. I don't think it adds so much value to have a senior manager signing off things in an operational daily business, which, is, which you're actually not really involved in. So I, don't, I, I have a strong belief in, in delegated leadership and delegated decisioning. So it goes against really a little bit my nature here. Uh, another thing maybe would be running uh, organization through people, communicate and make people committed to company targets. It takes time. It's a lot of communication. I love that. But I also have a natural, if I go back to my basic self, it's a lot about speed. And of course, that becomes sometimes a contradiction that uh, getting people tag along and get people involved and, and committed, it takes a bit of time. So that could be uh, sometimes gets a bit uh, conflict uh, inside. But but I, I over the years I really have developed a passion for for working with people. So uh, it I don't perceive it so bad nowadays as I did maybe in the beginning of my leadership career. I think both of the things that you said, uh, administration and the speed and communication, is something I feel like I I don't like that too. And regarding the speed, uh, that everything takes more more time if you have more more people and uh, communication. What is your like hack there? I think it's uh, you know putting a little bit on the pedestal that you should run your business through your people. It's not yourself who should run and do things. You should run your business through your people. Have your people tagged along. And make sure that uh, that you are leading the company through your people. That's another mindset. They own the decisions. They own the the authority to do things. That it really work on that. Um, so that has helped me because then it gets uh, it sort of takes the focus off having the the feeling that you need to do things rather the, to to work through your people. And then that it gets necessary to communicate uh, around your targets, etc. And then, of course, it's nice to have some little projects which you can work on and, and feel that you're, yeah, you do things yourself. <laughs> yeah, this this last part you said for 30 seconds ago was really powerful. Maybe I have found the the like the snippet for for the whole trading episode. I, I don't know yet, but yeah, that was really powerful. So thank you for that. And it's time for us to leave leadership. And therefore, I would need you, Maria, to summarize leadership from your point of view with one word. What would that be? That would be empowerment. I could say delegate the leadership, but that's two words. So I choose empowerment. (laughs) Then leadership is all about empowerment. And we move on. Mistakes. Worst mistakes. What would you say is the worst mistake you have ever made in business ever and you now fingers crossed have behind you so you are don't not too emotionally connected to it and you can share some good insights to me so i don't do the same thing <laughs> yeah i i'm not going to be very original here i i think many people have said it in your post- podcast before but 
it's really about uh, getting the right man slash woman in the right place. And uh, it's so easy that you want to see a bit more. We want to give people more chances and, and you don't sort of, you, you ignore all the signals you get that this is not working. And uh, I think you know, I've done it several times, this mistake. And every time I just summarize and reflect that this is not how you should do it. It gets so much fuss around it with wrong focus if you don't do anything about it fast enough. And of course, it should be fair play with people getting the, the chances, etc. Et but sometimes you tend to drag this out a bit too long. And that's really, it creates the worst mistakes, uh, I must say. So we are here again. Yeah, we're here again. It's about following your, your guts and uh, make sure the, that you, you listen to what is happening in the organization in a timely matter. It only takes one person to ruin a, a whole, not company, but team at least. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you get, uh, again, you get so much focus on the wrong things and then you are not moving fast enough with your business. So it's really crucial. And it's, it's usually about either pointing a person to position too fast before you really have felt that this is the right person or, or you have it pointed and you see that it's not working and then you take too long before you act on it. This leads me into another topic, a topic of your choice, Maria. Uh, and now I will sip it. And the only framework here is that the, you need to talk about something that you are very nerdy and passionate about. Uh, nerdy and passionate about. Except that, yeah, nothing. So the floor is yours. And I will continue uh, on the same topic uh, as I started before on uh, delegated leadership. Uh, and this is, I'm very nerdy about this, <laughs> very passionate. Uh, about it. And I was really inspired by Frederick Villalou, who has written the book uh, Reinventing Organizations. And um, I'm also a coach. So I run another side business, uh, coaching people to make leaders excel and fulfill their roles. And he works as an advisor and a coach. And uh, he was a former associate uh, partner with uh, in McKinsey. And um, he's claiming that we're in a sort of a paradigm shift, uh, how to run organizations. And he's mapping how organization has developed over the years. And uh, he has studied some companies who has had extreme fast uh, growth. And uh, the only thing they have had in common has been, they are, have been in different places of the world, different kinds of businesses, is that they have run the business completely without managers. So every individual is making the decisions that is necessary to make. And they have had two things, other things in common, and that has been that somehow they work in a, with an advisory process where you need to involve people who knows more about this topic than you do. You need to also to involve people who get affected by your decision, owning the budget or, or whatever. So basically a stakeholder process. And uh, the second thing which, is, uh, which these companies have in common is that it's fully transparent. So people can make decisions about your own salary. Uh, that's delegated decisioning out in the organization, but it's fully transparent. So everyone knows what Yosef is earning. And uh, one thing which is more interesting and important for us as a human being is, is uh, belonging to the group. So nobody wants to stick out. So it sort of regulates itself. 
But that, that is something that I really, I'm fascinated about this. And some companies in the consultancy business have, have tried this and, and run the business uh, without uh, the traditional way of managing things. And I think, yeah, I think it's a, when, when you look at how much time you spend in an organization on these decision hierarchies with your board, preparing for the board, doing after work after the board meetings, etc. It's so much internal focus. And another thing which these companies had in common was that you, you don't have a strategy, uh, but you have a very, very clear understanding of the purpose of your corporate corporation. So what's the meaning for us being on the market or doing our business? The, the fundamental purpose with your business. So he claims that um, instead of having a focus on a strategy, which goes four years, three years, five years, business plan period, etc., you have a clear understanding of the purpose and you sort of move with the market, you move along with the market, which is a very interesting thought because then you really get, you really listen to what is happening in your surrounding. So this is something, I, it's very difficult to transform a business completely to this kind of steering. But he also talks that you, you can move a bit on that ladder. Um, so you, you, you can't really mix, but you can at least move a bit on that ladder. So that that's something... I'm really nerdy about to get, you know, the delegated authority to make decisions out in your organization. And it's a different uh, view or mindset to that to actually as a member in an organization or, or a coworker to, to um, consider that, that the decision is my own. I don't delegate it up to my bosses or my managers. Yeah. The decision is, is mine, but I can seek advice. I can get input, etc. But the decision sits with me. So it's a different uh, way of looking at things. And I think it's really fascinating and, and uh, inspiring. Super interesting topic. I know that uh, both me, but also my co-founder, he he would love this segment. Like, oh, this is this is the future of how, how a great company should be. And the last part here, if if a colleague of yours come to you with an idea and if it's like 90% good or 95%, don't go in and like change something because if you just want to change the last 10 or 5%, they will go down to 50% in engagement instead of 100 if, if because the idea was their own. So just like exactly. you say, the ownership. And, and then you get the ownership, you get the natural drive, Everyone owns their decisions. It's not uh, the boss has said this or the board said this. Everyone owns the decision and, and are responsible to bring out the product to the market, responsible for make it successful. So I think it's, uh, yeah, I really do believe that we will see more companies uh, shaped like this. And I look forward to it. Thank you for the topic of your choice. And I will frame it delegated leadership. I hope you're happy with that. Yeah, that's good. Good. And now it's time for an external question because I want to lift in uh, other people from our most often the SaaS community in the Nordics. And today we have a guest appearance from Axel Setterman, team leader at Televox. And this is his question. Hi, Maria. I saw that you had more than 20 years within financial services and IT. If you were to speculate, how do you think the sector will change the coming 20 years with AI and other technologies? 
Well, that's a very good question. I love it. Uh, I think it's huge possibilities here with both uh, chatbots and and decisioning, uh, not least. So I think I think uh, it will be even faster business. It is fast already today, and and th- th- this is really the learning I've had that having the superpower software is key to success. So I think this will even be more fast in in the future that uh, adapting to to new technologies and be able to offer that to the financial services sector w- will be uh, crucial and that will i think that will sort of sort out or or um, clean up the market so only the ones that are able to adapt the new technology will be on the market uh, will be fast enough and i hope that this also will clean up the business a bit to include more parameters about the the, the consumer because uh, today we see a bit of yeah decisioning which is not healthy for for the, the 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 consumer so i hope it also will bring some benefit to the business and clean it up a bit so chatbots uh, decisioning and then you can work uh, more long term uh, developing your business a healthy business to focus on that rather than the the basic decisioning which which people sit with over yeah all day long Axel thank you for your question and Maria for the input here and it's time for business development uh, so let's talk some KPIs to start with which top KPIs are the most important for you and if you don't tell me why you have chosen them I will ask you why you have chosen them <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, the classic KPIs for a SaaS business, growth of ARR, uh, obviously, to keep track on your uh, cost of acquiring customers and the churn. So see how your uh, business or, or portfolio is developing. And uh, I also scalability is a key thing for a SaaS business to make sure that you have a scalable business. That's the whole point. So having gross profit uh, as a KPI, uh, measuring your re- revenue and, and your COGS. Uh, and also, how does a customer like the product you're, you're offering, PMPS? Uh, how do the people feel about uh, your business, EMPS? So there are many KPIs, but again, I think it always boils down to people, if you're successful or not. And I read somewhere, which I was inspired about, that... KPIs, forget about the traditional <laughs> uh, yeah, wording. So keep people informed, keep people inspired, keep people involved, etc. Keep people included. Uh, so, so if you manage that, if you use the abbreviation KPI for that, the other KPIs will probably come at last. So I think that was a good one. Again, put the p- focus on the people. So I, from what I heard, I heard six top KPIs, AR growth, CAC, churn, gross profit, NPS, and ENPS. What is the North Star metric? The ones that were about the people. Keep people informed and keep people inspired. Even if you have a very strong product, you need to be sustainable over time. And uh, I think that, again, boils down to the people you have in your organization. Can you share, from your point of view, your best practices regarding go-to-market strategies for a scale-up? Yeah, I I, uh, definitely believe that uh, what is your why? What is is the hole on the market you want to fill? What's your position on the market? What do you bring to the table? 
that's that's really crucial. As many people have mentioned, uh, the ICP, which is uh, related to this. So be clear about the your ICP and build your strategy around that and stick to it. But again, coming that back to reinventing organization, make sure that you are flexible and. Uh, take in what the the customer preference are around your product and adjust. And I'm not saying that you should adjust all the time uh, and not be consistent, but I do believe that uh, too many companies are very fixed about uh, their nerdy view on the product. So if if customers don't love it, then then it has no space in my view. So I've been very much on the customer side for so long time. And I've listened to a lot of suppliers who have good ideas and are passionate about the products. But in the end of the day, you sort of question yourself, well, what's your purpose and what, what hole are you going to fill? What value bring you, do you bring to the table for me? So I think that's important. And I think taking a product to market, I think it's... Uh, also, it's much about uh, leading change, uh, as in any other case. And here, I I love the the Harvard Change Curve model, where you have uh, uh, the how on the x-axis and the why on the the y-axis. Why? And when you just take the decision to go with a product on the market, you need power in your management or in your leadership. You make the decision. You're basically on the zero area. And when you then you need to build on your why and be a visionary leader. Why are we going out to the market? Communicate around that. Everyone should have their in their genes and the bones and feel the why. But then always when you're dealing with change or doing uh, things, you, you will end up very far out on the right, on the, the x-axis. How are you going to do things? And then you need management. Then, then it's not a visionary leadership anymore. You need management. Make decisions. What is going to cost? How are you going to do things? How are you going to roll out? Be specific and make decisions. If it's wrong, you need to make a new decision. And here I think it's very common that you're a bit too slow. There are too many stakeholders. There are too many sort of babies involved. So you don't make the, the decisions fast enough. And then when you're sort of rolling it out and, and reach your first customers and build up your, your um, volume, then you're back on the why. You need to reinforce your why again so you can develop the, the product further. So that, that's that's uh, my take on, on go-to-market. And uh, I think I've been part of failing <laughs> sometimes. Well, then we take this one layer deeper also in the customer funnel from KPIs, go-to-market to just basically where it starts for many teams with some sort of outreach, whether it, the sales process needs to start somewhere inbound or outbound. If we, and if we're going to talk about now the outbound, what would you say is the best way to do outreach to you, Maria? I think it's, uh, as also many people have said in this podcast, but it's really true to be relevant to be to to take the time to do the homework it really pays off i believe uh, all this outreach you get through linkedin etc where it's supposed to have a meeting etc without having the details of why it's why it's relevant for me it's really a waste of time so i think step back a bit and really take the time to do the research in a proper way uh, I prefer like uh, LinkedIn is a good medium if it's relevant. Um, and I think also email is good if it's relevant. A bit more information, I think it's, uh, it's good. Uh, and I think once you then have 
taking the time to be relevant, uh, to reach out. You might not get a positive answer the first time or even the second time. I think it's important to be persistent. If you, if you have a strong feeling that you are on the right track and that, that you are relevant for this potential customer, I think it's important to be persistent. And I have a very good example of that actually from Nils Olsson, uh, who you had in the podcast earlier, yeah. CEO of Lime Technologies. At that time, I was a CEO for BMW Group uh, Financial Services in, in Northern Europe. And uh, he, uh, we, we were in, I was sort of, a, I wasn't a cold outreach. I was maybe a semi warm <laughs> outreach. But I didn't answer the first time, not the second time, not the tenth time. But he was really persistent. And, and eventually, I think I got the, I, I became a very good customer of him. So, uh, and we got a very good partnership. So I, th- I think it's being persistent. And uh, once you have been relevant and reached out and you, and, and you have done your homework, so you're sure that you actually can be persistent, that is important. We got a lot of great input here. Start to be relevant and take some time to do homework. And then LinkedIn can be right if it's relevant and a bit shorter. Email can be right if it's relevant. And here you can be a bit longer. And like you said, you need to be persistent. Take it a third time, a second time, a tenth time, uh, like Nils, <laughs> if you need, if it's relevant. Yeah, and, and I see many outreach where, where you take the second time and the third time and you're sort of repeating your message. Yeah. And I think it's important then to explain why do we think this is relevant for you to be even more clear than the first time, because obviously I didn't get it. So I think that's also important. With these words, we are putting period to the business development segment for this time at least and moving into the roundup. So we only have three questions left here. And which other two B2B SaaS CEOs do you think are interesting, leading cool companies and would like to listen to in this podcast if I would interview them? Yeah, I'm a bit selfish here. So of course I I relate to myself. I think... Kri, Johannes Schilt, would be very interesting to listen to. I think the, I think uh, yeah, transforming the, the medical services for, for our... Um, uh, and here I need to jump in and just quickly, because I don't... Uh, one of my angel investors in BAM is one of the founders of Kri, Joachim Hedenius. But I don't know, are they B2B? Uh, yeah, you could question that, of course, but they have uh, health corporate health uh, services i guess but maybe you can yeah might okay. be questioning so that, 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 that's that's one potential yes yeah and- cinch is another potential that i found very find very interesting to if it would be possible to listen to lorena pang but that may that's maybe a communication platform as a services uh, rather yeah than but that is that is b2b that 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 is yeah. that, that that works that would be very fun to listen to Thank you for all the names. I will, once I'm sitting and booking guests, oh, give this a thought and look it deeper too. And we move on to the second last question. And now you're talking to yourself. If you would give yourself when you were a younger CEO, the top one to three things to think of that you now know that you didn't know, what would you tell yourself? 
I think I think yeah, definitely knowing a bit more about yourself to take some time to actually reflect. When you're young and speedy and you want to see results, sometimes it sort of comes with the age that you start reflecting about yourself. But I would really urge that. And and today, as I said, I, I work as a coach as well, and um, it helps you so much if you do that journey a bit uh, earlier in in your years to understand what's your sort of the shadows on of your strength what is the flip side of your strength uh, what can happen if you do some too much uh, of, of some things etc so that would be an advice take some time to reflect and make sure that you have some time to spend with yourself not only work yeah and also uh, the ambition uh, be sort of a balanced uh, in your approach uh, i have a lot of drive and i've always had that and the flip side is obviously that that you might work too much so balance the ambition uh, and find sort of the balanced approach towards things so know yourself find the balance and maybe slow down sometimes that would be advice the very last question then Where will Wisma Software be in five years? I would like the company to be the absolutely obvious choice when it comes to automating your business and uh, and your processes, including with the cutting edge technology, with AI, machine learning, etc. Really, be the number one choice uh, in all cases on the local market in in Sweden and and the Nordics. And uh, I would like to double the business, uh, but of of course. In a way, uh, sometimes it's more important what you do than the exact numbers and the size of the company, in my view. So, uh, but but really be the number one choice, and, and a lot of things come with that. Uh, it's not only it's it's the customer preference, it's the products, it's the people. So it's a lot of around that uh, if you should be the number one choice. And I wish you the best of luck with that. And now I'm quickly shifting the focus to you who has been listening. Two quick ones. Number one, tell a friend or a colleague to listen to Maria in B2B SaaS CEOs. And number two, press the subscription button. We have great guests coming up here every week. And Maria, a huge thank you for putting aside around 30 minutes of your time to get with me, to help me and the community to keep on learning. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure.